Hello, everyone. Thrilled to be here um, with Gene Hines, the CEO of Wellington. Gene uh, is not just the CEO of Wellington. She's a great investor, one of the greatest healthcare investors in the world. Uh, she's also a mom of four daughters. We were chatting outside, and I was saying, you know when you're really successful, when your children become great citizens? She has great four great citizens that are in the working world and in college. So we'll talk about all those things. But Jean, first I'm gonna ask you to tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, we graduated in the same recession. Uh, your path is a little untraditional. You entered Wellington out of college as an administrative assistant. Tell us about that. So thank you, Jen. It's really great to be here today and in person and, and live. It feels so great. Um, so I am a daughter of immigrants. My parents immigrated from Ireland in the 1950s. Uh, my father was a bricklayer, my mother was a homemaker, and, and I was lucky enough to go to Wellesley College pretty much on a full scholarship. I didn't know anything about the stock market, anything about stocks. I did, I did know, you know, in 1987 when the crash happened, that was sort of my first introduction to what the stock market was. So I found my way to Wellington um, after graduation, which was, not a, which, which, is, which was not a great year, as you know, I do know. to find a job. <laughs> um, because I wanted to um, do research and I could verbalize that, but I didn't, you know, the asset management industry was really small in 1991. It wasn't really a prominent industry. Um, I started as an administrative assistant and there was, a, there was a, just a terrific recruiter. I wish I could go back and find her and thank her because she said, this is a special company. You're gonna have tons of opportunities. Don't worry about the title. Um, and so I took the job. I was probably doing administrative work for a couple of years, half the time, and research half the time. Um, my, one of my mentors and bosses said I opened mail faster than anyone else. <laughs> and, I, and, and, I, and that really was because I was very interested in the research part. Excellent. Um, Wellington is a $1.4 trillion firm with a storied culture admired around the world for that culture, private partnership. Tell us what's special about Wellington. What kept you there? And we were chatting in the hallway about a new recruit who actually uh, contacted you after an interview you did. Mm -hmm. Tell us what she said about Wellington after yeah. her initial experience. So Wellington's all, Wellington's a private partnership. It's, it, the private partnership is 41 years old. The company goes back longer, almost 100 years now. But as a private partnership, I think being a private partnership in the asset management industry is a, um, is a gift. Um, to be able to really think long-term and not worry about um, the, the P&L statement in any one year. So I really do think it really aligns us with our clients. Um, the interesting thing about our partnership um, structure is now we know it has scaled um, to $1.4 trillion in assets. It's scaled as we've globalized in terms of having partners outside the U.S. I don't think that was evident it's a merit-based partnership, um, so there's a lot of trust put in place by our partners and the three managing partners to treat everyone very fairly. Um, so it, it, we just have a tr tremendous structure to be able then to, um, to, to operate in the asset management industry. And, and I think that's helped us with a couple of things, Dan. I think that's helped us be really long-term oriented and long-term focused with talent, be very aligned with our clients' long-term timelines, allow us to invest counter-cyclically at times. Like I'll give you an example in 2008, after the global financial crisis, um, many firms were moving out. We had just started our expansion the year, in 07 in London and in 08 in Singapore and Hong Kong. And we, we actually leaned in instead of 
um, taking the resources out after the global financial crisis. So it just allows us to be very countercyclical and invest for the long term, um, that partnership structure. Uh, this is an alternatives conference, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your alternatives portfolio and how important is that to Wellington these days? So we've been in the alternatives business, um, if, if I go way up on the balcony, since 1995, and that was really driven by talent, talent that wanted to run long short. So, our, so for the first um, 20 years, that's been about long short, um, liquid long short. In the last, since 2015, we've also been in the privates business. So we have a $32 billion alternatives business, both liquid alts as well as privates, and that's a, a, an area of strategic investment for us, one that we're expanding. Okay. And you are an investor. Like I said, you run one of the largest healthcare portfolios in the world. Um, curious if you'd give us a sense of where you think the healthcare world is going. There's been so, so many innovations. And also along with that, what makes a great healthcare investor or investor in general? So I think this is the most exciting time um, to be a healthcare investor. And, Certainly. And the, and the reason I say that, I think there's innovation. I mean, the healthcare industry has always been about innovation. It's been one of the, the, the sort of the, the rising of the middle class, sort of the demographics has been one driver, and then innovation has been the other driver. And in some sense, both of those are accelerating with the, with the aging of the population, um, as well as um, middle class and many of the emerging markets really accelerating volume growth around the world. And, and then with innovation accelerating um, the, in both the biopharmaceutical industry, and I'll get back to that, as well, as well in, the, as in the healthcare delivery. I think in the next 10 to 20 years, how do you deliver healthcare to an aging population in a way that really drives outcomes? And I think that will be enabled by digital like, you know, data will come to healthcare in a way that, that is not yet obvious, and that will help deliver healthcare. Um, and there'll be lots of winners and losers from that. that. I think that will be a fascinating time to be a healthcare investor. Um, in, the, in, the, in the sort of the biotech, biopharma, I like to call it biopharma because I do think it's one whole continuum of research. Um, it is the most exciting time in my, you know, sure. 25 plus years of, of covering this industry. And the reason is all based on the ability to understand biology at a level that was not even possible. So just to give you a date, 20 years ago, we had the first genome was sequenced. And the genome just allows you to understand um, biology at a, at a deep level. It was only really in 2010 where you had a machine that yeah. allowed the companies to be able to sequence um, biology. And it's really only been in the last three or four years where you can do that at mass scale. And so I think we're just in the very early stages of, you know, 20 or 30 years of dramatic yeah. changes in health. Is, um, is there anything that you're particularly excited about in our lifetime or the lifetime of the audience members? What do you think is going to be a really big bang for us all before... You know, I think it will. Ha I think it will happen across all. It has the potential to happen across all health, but if you look at where the where the industry is investing, it's particularly right now because cancer is a mutation-based disease. I think in the next ten or twenty years, there'll be a a, a large a large um, benefit in how we treat cancers and 
we know it will no longer be a breast cancer or a lung cancer. It'll be a mutation-driven cancer because we'll understand those mutations. And going back to you as a young investor, young female investor yeah. in healthcare, was there a moment or a bet you made that you were like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm good at this." Um, can you remember a moment? Yeah. So I, I would say when I think about my career in the 1990s, I, I that was the year that was the time to really learn how to be a great researcher. Um, and Jen had, was asking me earlier, like, was there a moment you knew? And I would say in the late 1990s, um, one of the big bets we had was this company called Immunex. It's now, it's now um, was purchased by Amgen. And, and they discovered the first drug for rheumatoid arthritis, like the first disease-modifying drug that was safe for rheumatoid arthritis. And I just remember the research that led up to the insight that this was going to um, change the standard of care. And, and so when I look back now, that's a 30 to $40 billion yeah. um, category of drugs. Um, so good bet. That was a good bet. <laughs> Excellent. And again, I would be remiss to ask, everybody's going to ask you this. You are a female. You were a young female, probably in a world of many males. Did that ever uh, sort of dawn on you in a big way? And what do you tell your four daughters about getting ahead in the world? So when I, when I joined Wellington in the 1990s, we actually had some very strong female partners um, on the business side. So I had some really great internal role models, but on the investment side, there were not many females. Right. You know, it was really, there were very, very few. Um, I had just some tr tremendous um, male mentors. So Ed Owens, who I worked with for over 20 years, who is, they call him the Dean of Healthcare. You know, he, he really started the sort of the healthcare portfolio investing um, as, as it is known today. He started running the Vanguard Healthcare Fund. So I just, I had tremendous, um, I had gender blind mentors, I, yeah. I will say. And, and I do think investing is, it's so, it's so quantitative versus qualitative that it is like such a terrific field for for women. Yeah, um, tell us more about yeah. that because the narrative out there is that we're losing female investors. It's really hard to find, it's really hard to keep them. Um, but you always say this is a great profession for women. Why? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're losing female investors. I think we're not attracting them. So the numbers, I think we have to do a much, much better job of attracting young women into the field of and actual investing. And, and I think role models are so important. And like I've, I've said for the past five to 10 years in my firm, I can't be the only one and we need 20. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we've deliberately been doing, sort of increasing our numbers out of college, as well as attracting um, terrific female talent across both equity and fixed income and long short. I think that you know, that's so I did it without having the role models yeah. because I, I think I was just incredibly lucky to have tremendous mentors. But I do think seeing someone in your seeing someone do it allows you um, allows you. To, and I hope that there are many, many young women out there that say I can be CEO now. Like, yes. that's like that's the next thing. Absolutely. Well, you told me you were contacted after a Bloomberg experience by a woman yeah. who was um, an investor and also inspired by you. And now you're hiring her, yeah. <laughs> which is really yeah. great. Uh, you know, I, sometimes it makes me, I told Jen, <laughs> it makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm not uncomfortable being up on stage, but it's not about me really. It's about how do you inspire the next 
generation. Totally. Um, and so I'm willing to put myself out there to say, you know, you, you can do this too. And that's great. So that's one of my goals. And so you have been CEO for how many months? I've been CEO for not quite three. Okay. Well, it's, this is an unfair question, but I'll <laughs> ask it anyway. Um, What's been the most difficult thing running the company versus running your wonderful portfolio? So one of the interesting things about, and, and Jen knows this, I loved, I, I had no aspirations about being CEO when I became, I did have aspirations about becoming a managing partner at Wellington because that's a very talent-driven, people-driven um, position. And that was a part of me that I thought felt was missing. So I became a managing partner at Wellington in 2014. And so I thought I had the best of all worlds. I was um, investing in biopharma. I had ran three long short strategies, ran the Vanguard Healthcare Fund, and then I was a managing partner. And I thought that's how I would finish my career. Um, I know, and as, I've, as I worked really closely with our CEO, Brendan Swords at the time, it just became apparent to me that the, the skill set was similar, yeah. right? So the skill set of, of, you know, connecting dots, um, connecting dots on talent and connecting dots on strategy, you know, making decisions with a lot of ambiguity, not, you know, and, you know not black and white, the ability to take risk, that those were all things that I saw him, that I saw him doing and, and um, in areas that I'm like, well, I can do that too. Yeah. And so I would say, the thought of becoming CEO kind of gradually, gradually um, snuck up on me over a number of years. Um, and so I would say I've been preparing for this. Okay. To get to your answer, I've been preparing for longer than the two and a half months that I've been CEO. And we've had a transition that's been almost a year. Um, and so, you know, I've just been studying Wellington as if I would study a company. And I, and I would say I know Wellington better. That's Maybe that's been an, uh, no, that's been an, uh, an insight to me, like after spending the last last year really studying Wellington, I know it better, even though I've been there for 30 years yeah. and I've been a managing partner for seven years. So that would be one observation. I would say a lot of people told me once you become CEO, <laughs> it, it feels lonely. I don't think well, being a CEO at Wellington is lonely because I, we have the managing partner structure. We have the partnership structure. There's a lot of support. Um, but there are, there's already been times where everyone's looking for you to make a decision. For sure. So that's, that's probably been in the last couple of months. There's been a few where on the screen they're looking, you know, you know, what do you, you know, you have to say, let's go move forward. Let's do this. Sure. And I'm sure you feel a certain amount of pressure on the legacy. I mean, this is a really private partnership, storied culture. Yeah. You have to like, you know, drive the ship now. When you, and again, three months in, totally unfair. But if there's a legacy you want to leave on Wellington, have yeah. you thought of what that would be? So if I look out towards the end of my career, and I've been at Wellington for 30 years. I just had my 30th anniversary. And so any, any, <laughs> any time, like, let's, let's put a 10-year time mark. That you know, probably going to be plus or minus that. But I would like to see us, a couple of things, be more diverse um, I, I, I think we are, we should be our culture. We have such a strong collaborative culture. We should be a great place for a diverse talent of all females, Latinx, black heritage talent. We should be, a, we should be a talent magnet for diverse talent. So that would be an area that it's not going to be in 21 or 22. It's right. going to be over, you know, it's going to be over the next, you know, over the next decade. 
we have gone from being all Boston-based, you know, 15 years ago, we were a Boston-based firm, and now we have almost 30% of our employees are in EMEA and APAC. We're, we're, that's going to continue. So, you know, will, will we be 40% global by the time I retire um, as we continue to find talent all, in all corners of the globe and serve our clients in all corners of the globe? Those are those are probably be two, and then and then just really importantly, we, we're only going to exist if we have the talent and we deliver investment performance, and so that's going to be one of my key initiatives. As you know, as the markets are changing so much, how do we continue to evolve and help our investors, um, whether they're a long only investor or a global industry analyst like I was or a private investor? How do we continue to help them? with skill sets, technology skill sets that help them evolve and deliver for our clients. That's going to be a, an area that I think I'm being an active investor. That's an area that I think is very well suited to my, particularly to my skill sets. Great transition to active management, because I think this whole subject was supposed to be about active management. We have a few minutes left. We've got a lot of hedge fund and private markets investors yeah. out there. Talk about your belief in active management and any advice you have for folks in the alternatives world or insights you have in the next few years? So it, as, as, and the, if you look at our, what, our, what do our, if you take this step back and say, what do our clients want? And what our clients, I mean, all the asset owners around the world from individuals to governments, um, they want their assets to grow. And I think it's since the global financial crisis in a way that is more risk adjusted. Mm -hmm. So, we, I think active management has a, a vital role to play in that. When you think about interest rates where they are in 2021 and expected returns from fixed income, um, where the stock market is now, I'm not, I'm not going to predict where the stock market is. I, I really do believe that active management, if we can deliver alpha, hundreds of basis points on equities and, you know, 50 to 100 on, um, on, on fixed income and the ability to, um, find value in parts of the economic growth that may be private, those are all going to help our end clients. So I think active management has a, a really vital role. And, and maybe one last thing we haven't touched on. I do think ESG and sustainability is going to dramatically change the structure of the financial markets. It's an area that we are investing in. I think it's a real, it's an area of a, a lot of complexity um, and I think that will be very well suited for active for active management as well. Okay. And alternatives? Any last thoughts um, on alternatives? So for 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 us, we are we are we are building. So we've had a long short equity. Yeah. We're building privates. I think there's just a a lot of value creation in the privates. It's it's very aligned with our very long term investing structure at Wellington. And so that's an area where if we can find talent, we're going to continue to build platforms in the private side. And I think on the, on the liquid alt side, you know, finding talent to come to our platform. And, and I'll tell you about the story. We have a new joiner who um, just emailed me this morning. I'm catching up with her in Asia tonight. And she's, her, her observations about being here for a few weeks is the open collaborative research platform is astounding. And so how do we take that? How do we take that platform and really attract talent and put it together in a way that helps our clients? Well, we'll be watching you. Um, thank you all. Um, thank you to Salt for having Gene and I on stage. We're 
thrilled to kick off this unbelievable conference. Thank you all for coming.